Hey, and thanks for taking the time to listen with us here at Gospel Way as we seek to find rest in Christ. Please know that this is supplemental and does not replace your local church or the pastor that God has given to shepherd your soul. But it is our prayer that God will use these resources to bless you and point you to Jesus. All right, I'm going to call our attention once again this morning to the book of Habakkuk. Uh, we're in uh, another of the minor prophets. We're looking at these minor prophets in this series of messages and we're looking at the subject of majoring on the minors. Uh, you and I seem to have clarified or, or classified these books in the, in the Old Testament as minor prophets. Many times they were considered that because of the smallness of the book itself, where in reality, uh, and, and we looked at that in the in the beginning of this study, we looked at the fact that uh, the Bible as it was given to us considered those the prophets. Uh, Christ many times mentioned in the Old Testament, He said, you've been given the prophets. What's He talking about? He's talking about all those prophets that we find in the Old Testament, whether it be those that we consider major or those that we consider minor. But we are in the book of Habakkuk this morning. And if you know anything about the book of Habakkuk, we're going to look at this book as having major hope. Major hope. And if you know anything about this book, you would question our title of the book of Habakkuk. And we'll get into that as we look at the introduction. But I want to Call your attention to chapter number 3. We're going to read the entirety of chapter number 3, and we're going to, after a, a semi-lengthy introduction to the message, because I want you to understand some things about Habakkuk, I'll give you three points, and those three points will be broken down in chapter number 3, and that's the reason we're going to read this entire chapter. So let's begin reading in chapter, chapter number 3 and verse number 1. The Bible said, A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet upon Zignoth. O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years make known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Teman, and the Holy One from the Mount Paran, Selah. His glory covered the heavens, and the earth was full of His praise. And His brightness was as the light. He had horns coming out of His hands, and there was hiding of His power. Before him went the pestilence and the burning coals were set at his feet. He stood and measured the earth. He beheld and drave asunder the nations and everlasting mountains were scattered. The perpetual hills did bow. His ways are everlasting. I saw the tents of Cushan in affliction and the curtains of the land of the Midian did tremble. Was the Lord displeased against the rivers? Was thine anger against the rivers? Was thy wrath against the sea? 
that thou didst ride upon thine horse and the chariots of thy salvation. Thy bow was made quite naked according to the oaths of the tribes, even thy word, Selah. Thou didst cleave the earth with rivers. The mountains saw thee, and they trembled. The overflowing of the water passed by. The deep uttered his voice and lifted up his hands on high. The sun and moon stood still in their habitation, and the light of thine arrow went. they went. And at the shining of thy glittering sphere, thou didst march through the land in indignation, thou didst thresh the heathen in anger, thou wentest forth for salvation of thy people, even for salvation of thine anointed. Thou woundest the head of the house of the wicked by discovering the foundation unto the neck, Selah. Thou didst strike through with his staves the head of the villages. They came as a whirlwind to scatter me. Their rejoicing was to devour the poor secretly. Thou didst walk through the sea with thine horses through the heap of great waters. When I heard my belly trembled, my lips quivered at the voice. Rottenness entered into my bones, and I trembled in myself that I might rest the people, rest in the day of trouble when he cometh unto the people. He will invade them with his troops. Although the fig tree shall not bloom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labors of the olives shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Now hear what he says in verse 18 and 19. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation, the God of my strength. And he will make my feet like hind's feet. And he will make me walk upon the high places to the chief singer on the stringed instruments. Let's pray. Father, again, we pray that you give us diligence that we might seek you. I pray that you give us wisdom that we might perceive you. I pray that you give us patience that we might wait upon you. Lord, grant to us a mind to meditate on you. Eyes to behold you, ears to listen. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to have a heart of love and a life to proclaim you. All this we pray through the power of the Spirit of God and Jesus Christ. Amen. As we consider the book of Habakkuk this morning, he lived during the final decades of Israel's southern kingdom And it was a time, as we've already seen in others of the prophets, it was a time of injustices and idolatry. It was running rampant in Israel. He saw the rising threat of Babylon as they were coming. And as he saw that threat of Babylon, he knew that it was not good news for anybody. 
the threat that was about to come upon them was a threat that was not going to be good news to anyone. Unlike the other prophets that we've seen outside of Jonah, God uses Habakkuk as he speaks. He does not speak on God's behalf to the children of Israel. His speech, however, is Habakkuk's personal struggle about his journey in trying to believe that God is good when there is so much evil and so much tragedy in the world. The problem is we're not so much unlike Habakkuk when we look around us. When we look around us and we see the things that are happening, we see the things that are going on, we began, just like Habakkuk, to question God. We would, in our self-righteousness, lift ourselves up and say, no, I won't question God. But we do. In all reality, we ask God, how can this be? How can you let this continue to be? How can there be so much evil in the world? How can there be so much tragedy? We often ask ourselves the question, or at least we know someone around us that asks that question. Why does God allow evil and sin in the world? I was listening to a message this week on kind of along these lines, and there was a statement that was made, and I'd never considered it to be so. I never thought about it this way, and not not necessarily considered to be so, but I never thought about it this way. So many times, if we're not careful, we feel like that we as Christian people have to protect God in His reputation. The problem is we, we don't need to. God is sovereign and what God chooses to do is right. Whatever God chooses to do is right. So much of the time, and I, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I, as even as a, a child growing up in church, I used to ask the question, well, if God knew that Adam was going to sin, why did He create him with the ability to sin? If, he knew, if, if God knew that the devil was going to rise up against him and he was going to be cast out of heaven, then why did God create the devil the way He did? The problem is, is we try, to, we try to accept the responsibility for God. We try to, uh, to take upon ourselves the reason for explaining God. When God is perfectly content with being God, and He's perfectly content with His choices, He's perfectly content with what He does, and this book, the book of Habakkuk, explains that to us. It allows us to see that. In fact, the book of Habakkuk, if we were to look at it, the, the consistency of the book of Habakkuk is that it is filled with poems of lament. As we look at Habakkuk, we understand that Habakkuk is asking the question. He's having a personal struggle. Habakkuk believes God. He trusts God. 
But at the same time, he sees so much evil in his nation and he begins to struggle with how can God let this be? Why does God do that? God does that so that we can see (laughs) that we're human and that we're going to ask those questions. How many times have we been involved with the death of a loved one or we've been involved with with a traumatic circumstance in our life, or we've been involved in something that has gone on in our life or in the lives of those around us that we just did not understand. And we ask God, how can this be? How can someone think that way? How can someone act that way? How can they do that? How could God take this young life at such a young age? How could God let this circumstance happen? The truth of the matter is God is sovereign and God is right in all that God does. We could could venture into that and I'm not going to this morning, but that's where Habakkuk is. That's where he's at in this book. That's where he's at in these writings of these poems. The poet lodges complaints and then draws attention to the suffering and injustices of the world demanding that God do something. You say, well, he's not right to demand God. How many times have we demanded God to do something? How many? We may not have said it audibly with our voice, but we thought it with our mind. God, why can't you do something? That's where Habakkuk is as he's looking at what's going on all around him. Knowing this about the laments that are happening, knowing this, that what's going on in this book, helps us to have a key understanding to the design of the messages of this book. Chapter number 1 and chapter number 2 are framed as a back and forth argument between Habakkuk and God. The problem is most of the argument is on Habakkuk's side and God's just sitting there listening. God does eventually give an answer, but in the beginning it's, Mainly Habakkuk charging God, why can you not do something? Why don't you change this? Why don't this this become better? Sometimes I think even in those circumstances in our life, sometimes we want things to be better so that they are better for us. We don't want to look at the overall picture of what God's doing and understand the the final outcome, God has a broader sight than you and I have in our lives. And many times we complain about those things that are going on because we want things to be better for us. Habakkuk was in that situation. His first complaint was that he lived in Israel that had become such a horrible place to live. The Torah was neglected resulting in violence and injustices and idolatry all around him. It was all being tolerated by Israel's leaders. They were going along with what was happening. He was crying out, asking God, why don't you do something about what's happening so that something changes? As he's in the middle of his first complaint, suddenly God responds. 
And basically this is what God says. God says that He is very aware of the corruption of, and get this, He's very aware of the corruption of His people. God is aware of the corruption of His people, Israel. And because of that, God is summoning Babylon to overthrow Israel. But wait a minute. Habakkuk is asking God, why don't you do something? God's response is, I am going to do something. I'm bringing Babylon against Israel. Habakkuk's complaint was, God, why don't you do something? And then when God explains to Habakkuk what he's going to do, Habakkuk says, no, no, wait. So his second complaint, when he looks at this and he understands that, he says Babylon is even worse than Israel. They are more corrupt. They're more violent. They have deified their own military powers. They have treated humans like animals, gathering them up, even in nets as fishes. He says that they devour nations and people groups in order that they might build their own empire. How can you... Now, Habakkuk asked God to do something, did he not? He said, God, why don't you do something? God said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Habakkuk now says, how can you, a holy and righteous God, use a corrupt nation as your instrument throughout history? How many times has God done that throughout history? Remember, as we've looked at the, uh, these these minor prophets, God has used different nations to rise up against different nations to tear down those nations. There's some things that God wants us to understand, but understanding where Habakkuk is, Habakkuk asked God to do something. God said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm bringing Babylon against Israel. Habakkuk said, how can you as a holy God... How can you allow a nation so corrupt to come against Israel? As he asks that question, he's depicting himself. And, and, and you go back and read chapter number 1, chapter number 2. I'm trying to get to chapter number 3 where our message is this morning. But understand that in the middle of this, what Habakkuk is doing is depicting himself as a watchman on the city wall. He's wanting to keep the evil out. He's wanting to keep the good in. And he's wanting to make sure that everybody's safe and everything's alright. What is he doing when he's doing that? He's taking all that upon himself. And although he is asking God questions... He's not really asking God questions. He's saying, God, you need to do it my way. You need to do it my way so that things will turn out as I see that they should turn out. God has, as I've already said, a whole lot broader vision than you and I have. God has a whole lot broader 
understanding. So when we do ask those questions, we need to be very careful that we're not like Habakkuk and raising ourselves upon some wall and depicting ourselves as some watchman upon a wall trying to make sure that God does what God's supposed to do while the world does what the world's supposed to do. Even this prophet was lifting himself up in self-righteousness. God, I'm the only one watching. How many times have we seen other of the prophets or others of those that were the leaders in Israel during that time that have said, God, I'm the only one. God said, no, I have yet 700 who have not bowed their knees to Baal. You're not the only one. You can crawl out of this cave. It's all right. I got things all under control. That's basically what he was telling Habakkuk. He was telling him that he was going to bring Babylon against them, but he was also telling them in the latter part of chapter number 2, he said, don't misunderstand things. Babylon is going to overthrow Israel, and Israel is going to come back to her God, and then there are going to be other nations that are going to come and overthrow Babylon. You and I know by looking in the book of Daniel, we know that Babylon took over Israel. What happened in Babylon? We know that Persia came in. We know that uh, uh, the Assyrians came in. We know all these things happened because we have the record in the Word of God. So God over and over again sends those things among the nations of the world because God will not allow any nation, be it His own people or any other nation, to rise up and feel as though they rule the world. Right. Why? The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Yes. It belongs to Him. Yes. He's in charge. He knows what's going on and he knows exactly how to handle and how to take care of things as they're going on. As we come to the latter part of chapter number 2, we find that there are five woes that Habakkuk gives. The first woe is a target of the unjust economic practices of the wealthy people as they're putting economic pressures on the poor. The first and second are that way. The third is a woe of critique of the slavery, slave labor that is going on among God's people. The fourth is a woe that targets the abuse of alcohol by the leaders. They're, they're, while all of this is happening, while all of this is going on, you understand these woes are toward Israel. Because while all of this is going on within themselves, it is the leaders of Israel that are having their drunken parties, that are, are having their, uh, their sexual promiscuous... Uh, and, and as they're doing all of that, they're overlooking all of these sins that are going on around them. The last woe exposes the idolatry that's taking place in Israel. It is the engine that drives other nations also around them. They've made money their power. They've made national security into their God, offering allegiances to all that will align with them at, their, at that cost. People become slaves to their own national empire. 
Part of the point given is that the human condition is what leads most nations to eventually become Babylon's. Why? It's the human nature. What does the Bible tell us about human nature? We're totally depraved. We're sinful. God Himself tells us that the imaginations of the heart are what? Continually evil. The Bible tells us who can know them. We, we don't even know our own hearts. We make the statement sometimes, if, if I know my heart, well, can I just enlighten you this morning? You don't know your heart and I don't know mine. Because our hearts are only evil continually. It is the heart of Christ that is righteous and pure. It is not our heart. The answer to the questions that Habakkuk has raised are found in chapter number 3. And this is where we find the hope of Habakkuk. In verse number 1 and verse number 2, we find hope in the prayer of the prophet. Verse number 1 verse number 2, the Bible said the prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet upon Zignoth. O Lord, I have heard thy speech. What did, we just, what, what did we just talk about in the introduction? What's going on? What's taking place? Habakkuk is making complaints to God. And God tells him what he is doing. And he instructs him in what, he is, what is taking place and what is happening around him. What does Habakkuk now pray in his prayer? He said, O Lord, I have heard thy speech. And was afraid. He's fearful because of all of these things that God tells him he's going to do. But as he deals with this, he said, I was afraid, O Lord. Receive thy work in the midst of the years, in the midst of the years make known. But in the middle of everything that's happening in the middle of everything that's taking place, in the middle of his complaining against God, in the middle of God giving him his response to his complaints, Habakkuk prays what? In the last of verse number 2, in wrath, remember mercy. You say, what's that got to do with us? What was it that was sent upon the Lord Jesus Christ upon the cross? In that wrath, God remembered mercy. Not mercy upon Himself, not mercy upon His Son, but mercy upon us who should have been the recipients of that wrath. So therein is hope. We can pray as Habakkuk prayed in wrath, remember mercy. There is but one place, one place only on the face of this earth and in the span of time where grace and mercy and wrath all meet at the same place. It's at the cross. There was wrath that was taken by Jesus Christ on our behalf 
But any man, woman, boy, or girl that bows at the cross can receive mercy that poured forth out of that same wrath. Because God Himself paid the price for mankind. The prophet who thought God was doing nothing about evil, ask Him to remember mercy in the middle of wrath. Was he now afraid that God was going to go too far? God had given him his response. God had told him what he was doing. Was he now afraid God's going to go too far? So we see the prayer of the prophet. But in verse number 3 down through verse number 15, we're not going to read all of these verses, but I do want to read verse number 8. I want us to understand the program of God. We see that there's hope in the prayer of the prophet because the prophet prays that in wrath God would remember mercy. But in the midst of these verses, verse number 3 through verse number 15, we see the program of God. Look at what he says in verse number 8. He said, Was the Lord displeased against the rivers? Was the anger against the rivers? Was thy wrath against the sea that thou didst ride upon thine horses and thy chariots of what? Salvation. In the midst of what God is doing, He's bringing salvation to His people. In the midst of what He did upon the cross, He did what? He brought salvation to His people. God rides majestically in His own chariot of salvation. It is the plan of God to pour out His wrath on Himself for the salvation of sinful man. God has a plan. And God's plan is right. And God's plan is perfect. And without God's plan, there would be no salvation for man. You and I could not have devised a plan like God devised. You know what is interesting about this when we understand this? is that God is so sovereign in what He's doing that God, before there was a need for a plan, made a plan. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit took counsel together in heaven before man was ever created and God made the plan of salvation. What did, he, what did he say? He said, before the foundations of the earth, it was so. Yes. He made a plan before there was ever a need for a plan. Why? Because God knew what was going to take place. God does not need us to take Him off the hook. God is perfectly content with hanging on the hook of His sovereignty. If we want to question God, God will give us the answers, but we may not like the answers that we hear. Habakkuk did not. But in the middle of that, Habakkuk prayed, God in wrath, remember mercy. 
And the program of God is that God would pour out His own wrath upon Himself so that sinful man could have salvation. Look at the last and third thing as we look at verse number 16 down through verse number 19. I want you to see the position of the prophet. Especially in verse number 18. Let's look at these verses. Verse number 16 down through verse number 19. When I heard my belly trembled, my lips quivered at the voice. Rottenness entered into my bones and I trembled in myself that I might rest in the day of trouble when he cometh up unto the people. He will invade them with his troops. Although the fig tree shall not bloom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail, the field shall yield no meat, the flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. But he doesn't stop there. That's not the last of it. That's not the end. He said, yet will I rejoice in my strength. And he, he said, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of what? The God of my salvation. The Lord is my strength. And he will make my feet like hinds feet. And he will make me walk upon the high places. He says to the chief singer of the stringed instruments, he said, I'm saying these things so that we may sing them about the goodness. He begins to rejoice in verse number 18. Chapter number 1, verse number 1, down through this, he's not been rejoicing, but now he finds joy. Why does he find joy? Because God is the God of salvation. Habakkuk has come from a point of pain to a point of pleasure. Why? Because he knows that it is in God and in God alone that we have hope. Our hope is in nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. We dare not trust the sweetest frame, but we wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. On Christ the solid rock I stand. There is no other hope. And that's what the book of Habakkuk is presenting to us. That's what the prophet is trying to show us. Are we like the prophet? Did the prophet find himself in a position where he thought there was no hope? But God opened himself to the prophet and showed unto him there is hope. And that hope is found in God. It's not found in Habakkuk. It's not even found in Habakkuk being the watchman on the wall. God's not concerned with you being a watchman on the wall. God's concerned with you having hope and faith and trust in what He did on the cross. On what He did in order to gain for us that salvation 
that we so desperately needed. If a person does not know that, they cannot dwell in this pleasure. They cannot dwell in this rest. There's always unrest. There's always turmoil. Why? Because they're looking to the things of this world. They're looking to the things that are around them that have nothing to offer instead of looking to the God of our salvation who in Him abideth all hope, all peace, and all rest. Let's pray.